Chess Talks. My name is Tessa and I'm your host. Today I am discussing a book with some of my friends. So please welcome Sarah, Erica, and Elaine. We are going to discuss Laura Hillenbrand's number one New York Times bestseller book called Unbroken. And it is about the Olympian Louis Zamperini and his journey from airman to castaway to captive. And it's a pretty amazing book. It is a true story. And it is um, about his survival, um, his resilience, and his redemption. Um, and this is all takes place um, uh, during World War II. And it's just so awesome. So if you haven't read the book, I encourage you to go get the book. I was told about this book um, when my friend Jill was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and um, by my by our friend Sarah and so I had ordered it for myself and for Jill and um, I never got around to reading it until after she passed away and I started this podcast and um, so I read it and it was definitely not what I expected but it was absolutely amazing and I learned so much about the World War II um, and things that happened that I didn't know about but more than anything um, the man this kid was absolutely amazing and um, just everything that he went through and what he survived and how he kept going in his life just really touched me and I wanted to share it with others so I asked them to read the book we're going to discuss a few things in the book and I encourage you all to go and get the book yourself and read it um, I was able to find it on Amazon so um, I hope you enjoy let's get started ladies thank you so much for joining me today um i am so excited to talk about unbroken <laughs> with my friends sarah and elaine and erica and um so we hope that you enjoy our discussion about unbroken so who wants to start first sarah do you have anything to say about this book hey tessa thank you so much for having me so this is such a phenomenal book. You know, I wondered when the author was writing it and interviewing Louie, um, what thoughts were going through her mind about the true meaning of resilience and what the human um, body and the human mind and mentally can go through when you are a prisoner of war um, for about two years, I believe. So I think that her title of the book is completely um, aligns with what his experience was, which is truly a story of resilience and redemption. Um, one of my top five favorite books ever. I think that, you know, he was a man that was targeted to win the gold for the United States. Um, and was considered the fastest man, you know, to bring, to let, you know, to bring the gold home. And, you know, when he enlisted in 1941 or 42, you know, he put that on hold for his country. And that was really admirable. And he never, of course, anticipated what would happen. But uh, it really is amazing what he went through and how he was able to find forgiveness to his torturer um, and able to face him. But truly amazing book. Loved it. Yeah, I, I totally agree 100% with everything you just said. It was absolutely amazing. I, I was impressed with um, how she put the book together and how she... Um, but yeah, the questions that she asked him and, and actually I'm really impressed with how he was able to talk about it and, um, and still not have any, um, 
hard feelings or, you know, have anything come back up to where it really hurt him. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. So Elaine, what about you? I did love the book too, but it's, it's a heavy book. I mean, not physically, but, um, it's got a lot of stuff in it. So there's a lot to chew on. Um, so you have to be ready for that when you read it, you know, it's not just an easy read. Um, and for me, I, um, I, I'm Asian American, so, and I'm Chinese, I'm not Japanese, but I know a lot about, um, the German aspect of the war. I know some of the Japanese part, but I did not know, and shame on me, I did not know all of the aspects that they talked about in the book. I mean, I knew some of it, but I think I shied away from a lot of that or just was more interested in the um, European front of the war. And uh, so reading some of those things and how they treated not just our prisoners of war, but all of them, you know, and they went into China and they just obliterated that whole camp and um, all of those different things. They just kind of changed my thinking on the war. So for me, yeah, that this, part, I was really deep. I was like, oh, oh, yeah, this, I this, do some more this, work. It was definitely not what I expected. And I definitely didn't know as much history about you know, all of this that I thought I did. And yeah. so to learn about it, and then also to find out that my son is learning about World War II this coming quarter, has been, has been awesome because now I can, you know, talk to him about things and I know, I know some things, um, or maybe I just don't remember what I learned and, but it was a really good refresher for me because, um, yeah, the things that, that happened and what people went through was, uh, quite amazing. So what about you, Erica? I agree. Um, history was my least favorite subject in school. So reading this now as an adult, um, it wasn't like re-education. It was almost like getting all the information with a new set of eyes. Like I've never seen it before. Uh, and I had seen the movie when the movie first came out and I remembered some of the story, but like you said, there's so much more detail and so many other things in the book that the movie leaves out that they're super important details. This guy, I mean, besides the title being perfect, perfectly said is unbroken. Another word, one word that could describe him is unstoppable. I mean, mm -hmm. this guy goes through so much in his lifetime and he ends up living until he's 97 years old. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I think like I read the book because I thought, oh, I need to learn something about trials and um, man, I, I, I don't, I feel like nobody else that I have ever known in my life has ever gone through as many trials as he went through. And, um, and even if they did, they didn't come out the same way that he did. And so it, it was a huge, um, it really kind of altered some of the way I look at certain things and, um, how I was like, well, you know what, I need to be better at this or I need to be better at that and um you know if he can get through it I can get through it so um I I thought that was was really interesting so what first one of the questions I have uh, I wanted to know what everybody thought about um Louis as a child it's like what when you were reading the beginning of the book um because I know for me and I'll just say real quickly when I first read it I was like dang, this kid, he's got like ADD or ADHD and man, he's, he needs attention. He must be neglected. Like it was just kind of crazy to me about, um, I mean, how, how much energy he had and how much trouble he was always getting himself into. And, um, so yeah, what did you guys first think about him when you're reading this? Anybody want to go first? Well, I think as I was reading the parts when he was a young child about the smoking and the running away and all these things, and they were all like before the age of 10, <laughs> I think, if I remember correctly. And I remember just going, this is incredible. I can't believe this. And I brought it up to Tessa and she's like, I know, keep reading, keep reading. 
And I brought it up to my husband. He was like, well, that's kind of what the times were like back then. Children were free to kind of do go, their thing yeah, go and, do whatever. <laughs> and explore everything. <laughs> like, I don't know about that. Well, I think too, he was labeled early on, mm-hmm. which, you know, as a rebel, a thief, um, and his life could have gone a different road if it wasn't for, from what I recall, I think it was his brother who encouraged yeah. him to run. Mm-hmm. And it just goes to show that we all need a champion in our corner. And I think that is really important to be said for kids today who really look to have that person in their corner, whether it be a parent, an educator, um, a good friend, a good neighbor, who's always in your corner rooting for you. And his brother did that for him and didn't take that label and kind of give up on him and say, uh, you know, he encouraged him to run and then he found his niche. And that is kind of what made him who he was, was finding that he had that gift and that talent. And he developed that, you know, and ended up being an Olympic runner in front of Hitler. And so I think that it was definitely a testament to me about the importance as an adult, that we don't know the influence we have on others. And that I want to always be like, if somebody cross crosses my path that they won't be judged by me and they'll always have a champion. Like I will always cheer them on and like not give up on them. And that's what he had. And so that part of his life, it could have gone differently, you know, and it didn't. And he had to endure some really hard challenges. Um, But, you know, his resilience and his passion for running is is what got him through you know and yeah it was nice. we can all find that that passion <laughs> for something to keep us from um getting in trouble especially you know younger kids and i think so many kids nowadays it's you know they're they're just labeled and then pushed aside and um so for his even though it was his brother i mean how many brothers really nowadays would do something like that for for a sibling. And what I found fascinating at the end when he's finally able to go home um, and he's with his brother and there, I think it was a reporter that came up or people would come up to speak to him. They would talk to the brother because he was so emaciated and he was the one that looked like he was worn down because he was worried so much about this mm-hmm. brother because that they had no idea what had happened. And it was just amazing to see that that bond between them was so strong that it affected him just as much as his brother. Yeah. And, you know, he was in a, he was in a prisoner of war camp where they did not register the prisoners of war. So his Mm -hmm. family truly didn't know like what was going on or where he was. And I can't imagine how that devastating that could be to yourself knowing here I am, I'm alive, I'm surviving, I'm trying and nobody knows, you know? Yep. Yep. They all just think you're gone or know what happened and. Um, you're still fighting. When I loved the chapter titled Belief, uh, where it addressed how both mothers of Phil and Louie never gave up. And even though they'd gotten messages saying that their children are died, had died, they were like, no, we're not giving up. They, the rest of the world may think that they're dead, but I don't feel it in my heart. My belief is that he's still here. Mm-hmm. And that was just, it was like a mother's love. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no crying yet. Okay. Not allowed. Um, just kidding. Um, Elaine, did you have anything about that? Um, no, Sarah, Sarah covered it really well. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so Erica, you told me earlier about this and I just opened up to it. And so I was wondering if you would share a little bit about, um, the part about the, the key and the lock. Uh, so when I started reading the book, I got to chapter two and there was it opens by talking about while in a lost locksmith's shop, he heard someone say that if you put any key in any lock, um, it has a one in 50 chance of fitting. And when I first read it, I was like, that's a remarkable statement. I don't know how it fits in, but then as you go through the book and you see all of the things that he's able to get through, it's like, oh, 
it'll happen. It just, you just have to keep trying. I mean, one in every, one in, one in every 50 keys will open any lock, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. um, so just keep trying. And that's exactly what he did. He never gave up. Yep. You know, it's something I was thinking too is, you know, he needed to go through all of those hardships, the, uh, the, the prejudice, the beatings, the nobody believing in him, except for his, you know, his immediate family, the, those sorts of things so that he could survive the hardships that were going to be coming. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he needed to have that foundation of being able to overcome those challenges so that he knew how to overcome the big. But, it, you know, we all get to a point in our lives where we finally something clicks and this whole book really clicked for me. Like, okay, so everything I've gone through in my whole life has always prepared me for whatever's next or for something way down the road. And, um, and yeah, these, these things that he went through as a kid really helped him, um, to be strong enough to deal with his time in the military, um, and serving in the war. And, um, I, I want to talk about when, when his plane crashed, he and two others, um, survived and Mac, Mac, Mac and Phil, Mac mm -hmm. and Phil and Mac though was, um, he was hurt. Right. If I remember correctly, uh, the, what, the head. Or, or no, he was, he was just mentally, mentally yeah. Out. Okay. Mentally yeah. he was, Phil was the one that had the injury, the head, the head injury. Yeah. Um, I think he's was, also the one that ate all the chocolate. <laughs> yeah. So Mac, Mac, Mac did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's like, how would you guys feel? Okay. So they're in this boat, uh, in just the three of them, there's no one anywhere near and they get their, their supply kit. And then, yeah, Mac, like they turn around for a second and Mac eats all the chocolate, which is like the only food they had. I would be pretty ticked off. Oh yeah. I, I mean, how, how would you guys, how would you feel if I ate all the chocolate? <laughs> Come on, Sarah. I see that face. What would you do if I ate all Would you push me overboard? I would want to. I don't think I would. <laughs> I, I think, think I dream about it. <laughs> I think what happened is another example of how strong his mind and mentally he was able to get through. Um, uh -huh. He was already physically fit. So he had that, you know, checked off. Um, but you have to be, you know, mentally strong to go through something for 47 days in the middle of the ocean. Um, and having your body be thirsty and hungry and then having no food and, and finding yeah. out that somebody had ate the food, it's almost like, okay, now what? What's next? We got to move on. And it would have been disheartening for me, but I can't imagine what they must have felt. I'm sure there was words and, and everything, but, you know, also a while later, they thought they were getting rescued and it ended up being, you know, not the United States. <laughs> so, um, but I bet it was really hard. It, I can't imagine just because, you know, I like food. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and chocolate. I mean, chocolate. That's right. And especially <laughs> chocolate. <laughs> so I thought it was interesting because one of the questions, uh, that was given to me was, um, because I, when I was reading this book, I didn't even think about this. Okay. Um, but I mean, they were in a raft for, like you said, Sarah, 47 days Yeah. Um, with no clean water. You know, they just had the ocean. Um, and, and yes, they, they were able to, I think, get some fish or shark once or something, fish. but they it didn't but it's not like they continuously had food, um, and, and water for those 47 days. But, um, so one of the, one of the questions I got was like, 
you know, if you were in that situation, like would cannibalism ever come to your mind? Like if you were starving, like, you know, because they, I mean, you never know what's going to happen, right? I mean, what if you go crazy? Like Mac was kind of, he was not in his right mind and um, they were all hungry. I mean, what, like, do you think even that you would ever consider something like that if you were in a situation? I mean, that's really hard to, to swallow, like to really, yeah. I mean, I don't think I could do it. Um, I, I just don't think I could do it, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. No, I don't think I could do it. Next question. <laughs> I don't. You don't think a little Mac jerky is okay? <laughs> no. It's just meat. <laughs> no, I think, so this is a little bit elementary, but I think of like, my 10 year old who told me the other day, did you know that the hum we have a capacity to bite our own pinky off? If you bite into a carrot, it's like biting your finger, but your brain stops you at biting off your finger because it knows it's a finger. And I just think that's what it would be for me on a boat. There's no way I could just sit there and like eat, you know, but <laughs> Um, I don't, I can't go there. What about you, Elaine? I, I, I don't know. Um, you know, if you got to that point, I don't know. Cause I've never been there and I hope that I never have to, um, yes. be in that spot where I would even consider it. Um, I would hope that I'd say no, cause I'd, I'd hope that any moment somebody could come. So, you know, you don't want to be the, yeah, the you still have something to look forward to, yeah. right? Yeah. Keep that hope. Hopefully you stay in your right mind and not lose it. Um, I, I, I just, but what, what, a, um, I mean, what a horrible thing to go through, but like how amazing it was that they made it. Um, and I know, um, it was Mac that, that ended up not making it right. He passed away. Um, but Phil and Louie made it. And, um, so then let's talk about that. You know, what, what Sarah has said earlier about how they thought they were being rescued. I mean, can you imagine being in a boat for, or in a raft for 47 days and then seeing or hearing airplanes and thinking, oh my gosh, we're being rescued only to find out you're now a prisoner of war. Mm -hmm. yeah. What, what are your thoughts about that when that happened? That's oh. heartbreaking. And there were to the, the plane being a Japanese bomber and shooting at them. And then miraculously, none of them get hit by bullets. Mm -hmm. that's crazy to me um so there's that part and then when they actually do get rescued they get rescued by a Japanese ship mm -hmm. and so it's like uh we're almost oh we're good oh no we're not oh that was better let's go back on the boat <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. right yeah they um I forgot about that so yeah they were they survived being attacked by uh, a Japanese bomber and um and even though the bullets you would have thought would have hit them, you know, they hit, they did, some of them hit the raft, but they were not hit at all. Not one of them had a single hit. And, and none of them were bitten by sharks, which were right. And the, and the sharks were flying sharks. Like, <laughs> I didn't know they would jump over, you know, out of the water to get to them. That was, I was like, this is real life. <laughs> yes. It's kind of crazy. So already there's so many miracles happening. And they're, and even though they're suffering for 47 days, they're being protected and they're being kept alive, right. you know, but I just can't imagine though, when the ship came thinking, you know, this is, yes, I'm so happy. And then now I'm a prisoner and I'm being beaten and, you know, 
yeah. tortured. I just, I can't believe some of the things that they, um, that they had gone through. Um, so in, as a prisoner of war, um, were there any things through, through that section, those sections that you guys, that stood out to you or parts that you felt, um, like, would you have been able to handle that? Or, you know, some, some of these things I was like, uh, no, <laughs> I am done. I, I cannot believe that he endured this, 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 and this. I, I just could not imagine having to go through that and being tortured and being freezing and you not know, giving up, but still going. Yeah. yeah. I just, I'm starving. I Yes. And I think that Louis's um, physical condition, again, really benefited him. I mm -hmm. think that he, um, it's extreme, but he was, he pushed his body to the limits running, you know, and he ran as a prisoner of war. He exert, you know, he, he still ran and I, I just, I can't imagine what he was going through. Um, again, I don't know what that would be like. I can't begin to even wonder or think about or compare it to because just the fact that he lived long enough to share his story is something that we need you know Absolutely. and we need to hear yep you know and he he was almost targeted too by that torture in that last encampment watanabe uh -huh. mm -hmm. the, bird. the bird the bird that tortured yeah. him relentlessly you know and he ended up facing him you know yeah yeah so elaine what were you going to say earlier um I, I was thinking about the, um, the Japanese soldier who was kind, um, mm. you know, and he chose to be kind even when everyone else wasn't and when he was um, targeted as well. And then in that poor, that poor guy, because in the end, um, the, when we came in and they treated him like he was a bad guy, <laughs> when he was actually, he saved people. And so I thought that was sad that he ended up dying and being miserable. Anyway, point that out. And I thought yeah. it was, I thought it was just incredible that through this whole journey and all the torture uh, that he went through, he remembered the kindness of one person that was with the enemy and remembered his name enough, remembered it so much they could recount it and tell it to be part of his story. Mm -hmm. That was incredible that just this yeah. one person made a huge difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One huge impact. Yep. All it takes is one act of kindness that can really help, um, really help someone. So yeah, I definitely think though that him being an athlete and running when he was a kid, I think it really helped him to get through all of it. Um, and I can't remember how many years was he in a POW? Was it Three two years. Two. Oh, two years. Two and a half. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I mean, that's a long time. If you really think, oh, yeah. I mean, it's not, but it is, um, especially when you are starving and cold and okay. you've lost so much weight. Um, but that, that resilience in him, it just kept going. And so I think that was, um, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, so do you think, like, so Louis was also, so even though he was tortured by the bird, he was also defiant. Um, he stood up for himself and for the others. And he, um, you know, not defiant in a bad way, but defiant, like, you know, you can't, I'm not going to let you break me. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm, you know, I'm still going to, to try. And, um, like he, he could have been put to death immediately from some of the times that he was defiant or some of the things he said back. Um, would you have risked your life 
to be defiant, do you think? Or do you, like, I probably would have cowered in the <laughs> order and just died. Yeah, I wouldn't have made it off the raft, so. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I'd be like, peace, see you later. No. Like, if we Fly were on a raft together, I think we would, I think we would have encouraged each other, yeah. you know, but. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't, I don't, there's no way I would have been as strong as he was of strong, strong in body, strong in mind and strong in heart. I mean, and his thoughts for others and his caring for others, the people that he was with and how important they were to him. Yeah. He was always looking out for everyone else. Cause most of the time I think, I mean, maybe this is just my perspective, but the times that he was defiant is when he was helping or protecting someone else. Mm -hmm. It wasn't even for himself. He wasn't worried about himself. He was worried about his friends. Yeah. You know, Erica, I was thinking about what you said, and I think you're selling yourself short. Like you say that you don't think you would make it off the raft, Um, but I don't, you know, we're pretty strong. Women are strong. And I think that there's a lot that we can do when we're pushed. And, um, you know, I don't know if I would have made it the whole two years, but I think I probably would have been one of the defiant ones. Um, because I think you sort of have, you sort of form a community of some sort of other POWs and, you know, um, I know that I would probably in my mind be going, I'm going to have him like me and I'm going to have him be able, you know, maybe if he likes me, (laughs) he'll have show some empathy and give me some bread or whatever the case may be. But I don't sell yourself short. I I don't know. I think it's pretty extreme what happened to Mr. Zamperini, but I, I just think our minds are strong. It's amazing what we can do. It really is. Thank you. Um, I think I think this is part of it, but um, there's a spot in the book in um, what was it? It was in chapter 18, and um, it says dignity is an essential is as essential to human life as water, food, and oxygen. The stubborn retention of it, even in the face of extreme physical hardship can keep a man alive long past the point when he should have died. So, you know, just that, that strength that he had and that stubbornness that he had from when he was a kid, even, I mean, all of the, it just, it kept him going. And, and like Sarah said, you know, I mean, we, yes, we sell ourselves, sell ourselves short and we are our hardest critics, but, um, I mean, you never know what you can get through and, and you've already, we've, we all have already been through so much in our lives, all different things, but here we are, we're still here. We're still going strong. And, um, you know, even though it wasn't, we didn't, we haven't struggled like he did or gone through what he did, but we we're still here and we're still kicking. So we're, you know, I feel like even though I didn't go through everything that he did, I still feel like some of this was my life, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, I got through this struggle when I got through this struggle and, you know, and so up, up till now I am still unbroken. And I think that's pretty cool that, um, that you can have an experience reading a book. I mean, it's a true story, absolutely 100%, but you can read it and then, say, Oh, you know what? I don't have it so bad. And I'm going to keep going. (laughs) I can, I can do this. You mentioned dignity a little bit ago and you know, they were treated so badly and that rebellion was a way for them to hold on to. When you're, when we were reading about, um, how they were treated, um, as prisoners of war, um, did it surprise you that it was actually worse for men that were captured in the Pacific war than for those that were captured by the Nazis? That was surprising to me. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I was surprised. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. Cause I, you know, when you hear like how bad the Nazis were, you think it could never be 
you know, worse or as bad, but these guys really, it was actually worse. I mean, they had it awful, you know, as, especially with not even being, um, counted or recorded that they were there so that no one could know. Um, I, I don't know. It, it was just really kind of surprising to me that, you know, in, in the book, it was talked about how that they were actually treated worse. I found it interesting um, that Louis, when telling his story to the author, kind of gave context to why the bird, mm -hmm. the psychology behind the torture, like what motivated him to torture these POWs that, you know, in Japanese culture, it was dishonorable if you were caught. And so, of course, when you have POWs, they're dishonorable. So let's treat them dishonorably. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I never really thought of that before. That was, it was one of the things where it's like, oh, huh, okay. So for him to even think that that was worth mentioning was like, he thought about, not as an excuse, but the reasoning behind the way somebody was to treat him so awfully. Because all I thought was this guy is just a complete jerk. And he doesn't care about humanity and he's just going to torture everybody for whatever reason he wants. But then you get this underlying backstory of, you know, what drove him to do this to people. And it wasn't like, okay, well, then I'll dismiss the behavior. It was, well, I can see where it stemmed from. He's still awful, but at least we know where it came from. So do you think that Louis was a hero with surviving and with everything that he did? Um, and why, why do you think that? Uh, yes, I do think he is a hero uh, mm -hmm. because he had to endure all of those things and he came out on, on the other side of it. And even though he had a dark time in between, he rose above that as well and was able to find um, a good place mentally to be in. And, um, and he was able to forgive and go back and celebrate um him being whole <laughs> and he also i i don't know if it said it in the book i don't remember if i read it later that he ran in the uh the olympics with the torch in tokyo well, yep. yeah i don't know <laughs> no i think so, i mean what a, what a strong um just what a strong character he is because i mean I don't know, you know, I don't, obviously because I haven't been through it, I don't know how I would feel about going to the place where I was mistreated and tortured and almost died um, just because of that I was, you know, from a different country in a war and I was just, you know, so mistreated. I don't know if I could go to that place and not have hard feelings and not be upset or be like, no way, I'm not going, you know? But for him, because, um, because he had gone through his, his forgiveness, um, he, I mean, he, he did it and he did it proudly and he was happy to do it. Mm -hmm. I thought that was pretty amazing. I mean, he's just all, an all around amazing person. Um, and I thought it was interesting when I forget who was, if it was in the questions in the back of the book when the author was asking him about it being a hero, he said that he didn't consider himself a hero, he's just a survivalist. And mm -hmm. it was just, that was just like the sentence that was like, well, that's why he was able to get through it all because <laughs> he doesn't see himself as a hero. Yeah, it's just his story, and then to be able to come home and recount his odyssey, um, and speak. I guess it said in one week he had given like ninety-five speeches on the triumphs and tribulations that he had gone through, and I was just amazed that he was able to not only get up and talk about the hell he had gone through, but to keep doing it over and over again. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the um, questions. Uh, you know, that she asked was, why is it important to forgive the people who hurt you? And he said that if you don't forgive that, that eats your soul, you know, it eats at you. 
And so forgiveness must be completely a hundred percent with everything. If you haven't forgiven, that's gnawing on you. That's gnawing on your soul. And it's going to keep gnawing on you. And that's why when I forgave all those guards, including the bird, I felt like I had just had a nice clean shower. And I thought that was cool. Like, you know, when you don't forgive and it gnaws on you, you feel gross and dirty. And so when you can fully forgive, you feel clean. I, I think I think the notion of forgiveness is important in this book um, and something that I think is misperceived, especially in, you know, Christianity. Um, you know, when we are asked to forgive, you know, um, it does not mean that we bring them into our close circle and love them forever and um, right. We're doing it for ourselves and we're doing it not for them. Um, but we're doing it to, again, like cleanse our soul. Um, and that is something that, you know, Mr. Zamperini had to do for himself to move forward and function. And I remember reading that once that had kind of resolved in his heart, the nightmares had gone away. Mm-hmm. And so I think pertaining to our lives today, um, you know, when we forgive, it does, you know, we do it for ourselves and we do it, you know, to move forward. And um, hopefully the people on the receiving end, you know, will understand that. Um, but again, it's not to have this wonderful happy party with the people who've who've done you wrong and to all of a sudden invite them over for Christmas Eve you know it's it's to move on and um, forgive them from a distance so that you can um, meet your true purpose in this life and move forward with your family and um, do what you have to do and um, it's easier said than done for Mm -hmm. sure and I think that I would love, I would have loved to kind of talk to him about that process of when he decided, um, or he received that, you know, that time where he was like, it's time for me to forgive. Um, but it, that's definitely a huge feat, you know, is to forgive people who took you away from your family and tortured you. Um, but Forgiveness definitely is a gift that you can give yourself for ongoing peace. Um, And I think, you know, it should be practiced more. I love the line, once he'd finally forgiven him, how he said that the bird was no longer a monster. He was just a man. And Mm -hmm. I mean, the bottom line is no matter how awful somebody is, they're just a human being and none of us are perfect. Well, what I was just going to say is he was just a man who, if you break it all down, the bird had his own demons that he was fighting. And, you know, you can compare it to having his own traumas and his own um, interpretations of what he was supposed to do as as a Japanese soldier, you know, and who had to live with that for a very long time. And, um, yeah. He, he was just a man, but that obviously had to go through a lot to be who he was, you know? Mm-hmm. And the fact that Louis recognized that when somebody had asked him, you know, do you wish death upon your <laughs> abuser? He said, worse than death is having to live with yep. knowing what he's done to all these people and all the hurt he's caused. Um, and that was just remarkable to me as well, because I would probably want him dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, everything that Louis went through, I mean, it, it, um, so it's not like forgiveness came really easy though. Mm-hmm. Like he, so, you know, he was a mess mentally for mm-hmm. a while. He was an alcoholic. And yeah, he, and, and, you know, his poor wife, um, she was just so good just to stand by him and, and just really try. And, um, she had been introduced to Billy Graham 
And she tried to get Louie to go because he was having nightmares and been be, he didn't want to sleep. So he'd be drinking all the time. And um, I think she finally got him to go with her to one of his revivals. And um, let's see. I guess because she was harping on him about going and yeah. him, he just decided to go to He's make like, her stop. Fine, I'll go. Just leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> Graham posed a question. He said, why is God silent while good men suffer? And this made, this is, that was the question that made Louis actually pay attention to what he was um, talking about. And so it says, Graham's answer was that God is not silent. If you look into the heavens tonight on this beautiful California night, I see the stars and see the footprints of God. My heavenly father hung them there with a flaming fingertip and holds them there with the power of his omnipotent hand. And he runs the whole universe. And then he says, um, God is interested in me. God spoke in creation. And then it says that all of a sudden a memory came to Louis and he and Phil were in the raft. Um, and he had promised that if he got out of this, that if God kept him alive, um, that if he made it, that he would serve God for the rest of his life. And, and so he had that memory and then he was like, okay, you know, I, I will, I will, he's like, I've got to change. So when he had this like epiphany and this remembrance, um, what, like, Basically, that change that that evening, hearing Billy Graham pose these questions and the answers. Um, after that, he never actually had another nightmare. He never thought terribly about the the bird. Right, he was able to forgive. Um, he was able to move on with his wife, and they had a great marriage and family. Um, so, why do you think he was able to move on? after this like why do you think that that helped him hmm. i think that he was ready you know all these things happened and he was at a point where you know he was basically getting to the rock bottom and it's time to go up i think he was just at that point where he he had been massaged and broken down <laughs> to the point where he was ready, ready to accept and be humble enough to hear the message. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, we all have somebody in our life who um, we wonder when the switch is going to go off and they'll turn their life around, um, whether it be, you know, current or prior experiences. And I, I think about that as, you know, being a mother, you know, a wife, and you cross paths with many people who are not making choices that bring them happiness or joy. And we don't want anybody that we love to hit rock bottom. Um, but like Elaine said, it, that's probably where Mr. Zamperini was, was ready to listen and kind of say, okay, what I'm doing here is not where I want to be. And he was ready to move forward. And it was a lesson um, to all of us that no one um, is hopeless mm -hmm. or helpless. Like everyone can be redeemed and everyone has a second chance, third chance at life and to really um, find your purpose and, and, and live the way that your life was intended. And I'm just so glad that that happened to him. You know, we all want to see good things happen to people that, you know, had a lot of <laughs> just horrible things happen to them. And in our life now, besides just reading a book, 
you know, we hear about those stories or those people that are close to us that, you know, find redemption or, um, or something happens and they change their life. And it's so inspiring to me. That's why I think he's a hero because he took that message that he was getting from um, the Graham, Billy Graham. And he, that was what helped him, you know? And so what is it in our life that we use to self-reflect and, you know, when we see ourselves kind of going down, you know, how do we keep ourselves, you know, balanced and to keep going and, you know, so we, you know. And I think you're right. Like when you think of a hero, I think through his journey and all the trials, the heroic part was what he did with all of it at the end, mm-hmm. how he made the good come out of all this bad, how he shared his insight and, um, even though all of these bad things happened to him, he was still able to reflect on the good things and see that it wasn't bad. And all the times that he thought it was awful, God was there helping him through it. Um, And I think it's easy in life to focus on the negative and not pick up on when he's here trying to show us things um, because it is so awful. So it's, it's really great when people do see the silver lining to all the tragedies that happen to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I, you know, when, when I was thinking about this question, you know, like, do you think he's a hero? Um, It's, it was interesting because I, you know, as a prisoner of war or in the military, you know, I don't, I don't feel like he was a hero. Not that I don't feel like he was a hero in the military, but his true heroism was that forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, that, like he said, that you have to forgive 100%. -hmm. Um, and then he did what he said he was going to do. He served God. He was a better person. He was kind. You know, all these all these things that he promised he would do. He didn't say, oh, yeah, I remember that. Um, okay, I'll forgive him. And then I'll, but then later on, oh, this person makes me mad. So I'm going to, you know, treat them a certain way. He, he really lived that um, I've. I'm going to forgive these people and I'm going to, you know, let God lead me and I'm going to be kind always. And I think to me, that's the true hero. Um, you know, I mean, cause that would take, that takes a lot. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot. I can't say that I had, you know, in different parts of my life that I had forgiven people. Um, and that's actually something that I'm going through right now. in, in one of the things that I'm learning is, um, is how to forgive people, (laughs) but how to also forgive myself for how I also treated and, you know, what I did to, to that situation, but that's for another time. But so I feel like, you know, he's a true hero because he, he was able to forgive that person who just wanted to kill him like constantly and the bird. So in the, at the end of the war, um, you know, they were going to, they were trying to gather all the torture, you know, all the people who had tortured all the leaders, um, in Japan and, um, they were going to be arrested, but, um, they couldn't find the bird and they couldn't find others for like a really long time. And then they dropped the order. Um, they had, what was it? Um, they, they dropped the mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, what do you think about that? That even, you know, like the United States, like dropped those charges and we're no longer going to try to punish them. Um, what were your thoughts about that? That was a hard one for me because I was like, what, why, why would they do that? You know, political, um, political. Yeah. We dropped the bomb and we feel bad. Yeah. That's the reason. I just, I I just thought that, wow, like how, how could you, but again, you know, Louis forgave him as well. And, um, he didn't try to go after him to kill him. He didn't, you know, press for him to still be arrested or looked for. Um, so I, I, it was just, the whole thing is just absolutely amazing. Um, 
the one of the last questions I was going to ask is, um, and I mean, we've sort of talked about it a little bit, but like, okay, so two things. So besides what we've talked about, is there anything else that you learned from this book that maybe has changed your outlook on something? Well, earlier I did say that um, I didn't understand fully uh, what had happened with um, the prisoners of war over in Japan or in the territories, the Japanese territories. Um, so that is something that's changed in my mind is that whole aspect of the World War II and that mm -hmm. arena. Because I thought nothing could be as bad as what the Nazis were doing to the Jewish people and all of that stuff over there. How could that be any, how could it be any worse than that? Yeah, right. it, was just, it was just as horrible. Yes. If not worse, because nobody knew where those people went. Um, it has, is anything that you learned from this, has it helped you with your outlook on the trials that maybe you're going through now? I think it's important to take it day by day. It's easy for us to think ahead and wonder and worry. Um, and what Louis went through, he had to literally take it day by day. Like he didn't know what was coming next, what, you know. And I think as we go through the trials that we have, um, it's important for us to really reflect on our core foundation and our values and what we hold really dear and near to us, you know, and what we um, find value in and really kind of doing an inventory is what we find value in important, you know, is it the relationships you have with people or is it the stuff you have in your house? Or is it, you know, I, I think that taking an inventory, like a self inventory of what, who we are and what we find important and the people in our lives and the relationships and, you know, is a way of, is what's helped me when I read the book. And also Tessa, you mentioned um, like your journey you know, because Louis Zamperini had a journey to forgiveness and you mentioned that you're kind of going through and thinking about things that you have to forgive, but also self-reflecting on your part. And that means that because you're self-aware of your part, you're already on that path to forgiveness. And I think that is something that people forget to do is have that introspective um, part of, yeah, I'll forgive them, but what did I do to mm -hmm. make the situation not good, <laughs> you know, or whatever the case may be. And so just that you're aware of that means that you're on your way, you know, and you're taking baby steps. Yeah. And it's not something that we all think about because it's definitely not something I've thought about most of my life. You know, if someone hurt me, um, you know, even, even the way I respond, um, is something that I have to forgive myself for too, because if I don't respond in a positive or kind way, then I have also done something, but also, like you said, you know, what did I do to possibly cause, this? <laughs> you know, and I don't know, forgiveness is amazing. Um, and, and reading this book and seeing like how he could forgive such terrible, awful actions and thoughts and words and deeds from someone who, you know, obviously had their own issues because nobody, nobody in their right mind could really want to treat people like this. I really don't believe that. Um, that they, that they could. So that has really put me on a, on the road to, yeah, self-awareness and, you know, what is it that 
maybe other people are going through. So I try also not to take things too personal anymore and be like, oh, they're just mad at me. You know, there was so much that, that was going through the bird's mind, I'm sure. But I know some of it was, you know, he didn't want to be where he was and he wanted to show the Japanese military that he, he was important, you know? And so a lot of this he did because he wanted someone else to see how, how important he was. And, you know, it's sad that, that people treat each other that way. Um, but the book has really taught me a lot about forgiveness and about how, you know, we can endure, we can endure all things. And, and like, you know, we said, um, Erica said about the, the lock and the key, you know, anything is possible. Mm-hmm. Anything is possible. And especially when we have the Lord on our side. I want to just mention real quick that I think too, um, we forget that forgiveness is an action verb, right? It's something that is something we have to do actively. And if mm-hmm. we stay stagnant, then that regret and that resentment is going to build up and um, will wither away and be, be bitter. <laughs> and we, we don't want that. But if we're actively, you know, forgiving others and really kind of, you know, putting forth that effort, for example, in the book, um, Louis didn't just decide one day he had his conversion and you know what, I'm going to forgive them. No, he visited other POWs. He wrote a letter to the bird. He did these things. So what do we have to do in our life for that redemption? Do we need to send a text to that person that we want to forgive and say, you know what, I know it's been a while, but I'm really sorry about what happened. It's been on my mind and I hope you can forgive me. And I think it's making those action steps because it's easy to say, I forgive them, but it's really (laughs) making those extra, extra steps to truly let that person know, you know, well, and I think it goes the same for ourselves though, too, because you can say, oh, okay, fine. I forgive myself, but you, you know, there's still a process in forgiving yourself, um, just like there is in forgiving other people. So, um, it's not something that happens overnight. That's for sure. So. Although I wish it was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> make life so much easier if we could just go yeah okay have a thought and it'd be done right you know Louie had to come to a point where he wasn't going to give power to them anymore yep. and I think that once we resolve that within ourselves you know if we want to compare our hurt and our resentment or whatever we carry you know um let's not give more power to others than it's due, you know, let's release it and truly set us free. Um, and I think when you truly like resolve and do that, I think that's where true change can happen within yourself. Um, but anyway, that's deep. No, I think it's great. It's fantastic. (laughs) I was going to say, you totally pulled that all around because you said prisoner he was a prisoner until he was willing to repent and forgive and get over that until he actually let it go he was still a prisoner of war yep yep and so we can totally apply that to our lives and anything that we're going through because you know i don't want to be a prisoner to anything i love that his conversation with billy graham when he was saying you know God was there with you in these moments. It kind of opens his eyes to, oh, you're right. And I find a lot of times if I get too introspective, I'm not opening my eyes to all the gifts that he's giving me and all the silver linings and all the good things that are happening. Um, And so it's just, it's refreshing to see that just one person's statement to him changed his entire Mm -hmm. future. Yeah, all it takes is, one person right and um and I feel like that kind of takes me back to that one person is usually God 
Um, and that's, I mean, how it all happened with Louie. It was because of God and just through different people. And um, he was able to help him get through all of those trials. Um, and then he was able to get through to him through a, a preacher that he needed to be reminded that, you know, God saved him and Your now, prayers were answered. Yeah. So it's, I don't know. It's just amazing how, um, it's just amazing all the things that I think that I've, that I've learned from this, this, there's so many, mm -hmm. there's not, it's not just one thing, you know, um, but it's so much about God really was there for him and protected him the entire time. And there was a reason, you know, and even if it's for a few of us who read it and then it changes our lives or whatever, but it, it was, he was meant to go through this and we were meant to read this and to, to learn from his, his example. So I think it's pretty awesome. Um, well, ladies, thank you so much for, for joining me today. And um, I look forward to our next book, which I don't know what that will be yet, but maybe we'll all read another book and have another discussion <laughs> or we'll add some people in, you know, <laughs> it'll be fun. So, all right, thank thanks you so guys, much. appreciate it. Love Bye. you. Bye. Thank you for joining us on Test Talks today. I hope you enjoyed our little review of the book Unbroken, and I hope you will read it yourself. Once you have read it and you would like to have a discussion or ask any questions please send me a message on instagram at test talks and um i just wanted to say you know one of the things that this book has really helped me and taught me is that no matter what we're going through um, we can get through it and we should never give up and um, we can get through just about anything and i really loved um towards the end where you know he he realizes that he had promised God that if he was kept alive and made it out of there that he would serve him for the rest of his life and when he realized that he had said that um, and made that promise that everything turned around for him so I encourage you to no matter what you believe to um, invite God into your life and to let him help you and guide you and um, you will be able to get through anything. So thank you so much for joining us. And as always, remember to love hard, live full and laugh often. See you next week.